This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. We continue our series, Breaking the Cycle of Rejection. And you remember that last week we talked about how Satan's strategy is... uh, his, his goal, his agenda is division, his strategy is destruction, and his tactic is offense. And so if these uh, tongue depressors uh, represent offense, we've all experienced some sort of hurt or rejection or a slight or betrayal or a violation or, as in Jessica's uh, situation, an abandonment. And we've interpreted that as an, as an offense. We've been hurt, rejected, we've been mistreated. And every time we're offended, we plant that offense into our hearts and into our minds. And we just have a way of rehearsing it. And I'll tell you why. Because brain studies have shown that the same part of your brain lights up when you're offended as if you had broken your arm or if you were in a car accident. And so that's why the offense is so real. That's why the offense is just rehearsed in your mind over and over and over again. Well, you could see that if in your life you've collected a whole bunch of offenses, then there's two things that are true. Number one... There is a fence between you and other people. You wonder why you have relational difficulties with other people. You wonder why there's a distance between you and other people. You wonder why you can receive, excuse me, you can receive life, but you can't express life. It's because you've built a fence, a fortress to protect yourself. The other thing about collecting all these offenses is now you're in a prison. You're looking through the bars of the offenses. And so you are in a prison of your own making because you've collected all these offenses and they have locked you in. So in order to break the rejection cycle, I'm going to need your help. And I did something extra special today. If you'll pull out that message outline, you'll see a box, a rectangle. And I need every single person to find a pen. And I asked the people in the office to make sure there were an abundance of pens on the seat rack in front of you. So if you see a little burgundy-colored book, open that up, and there's a pen in there. I know men carry pens in their pockets. Women carry pens in their purses. You're all prepared but I need you to participate. What I want you to do is, first of all, draw a bar, a jail prison bar. All right, go ahead and draw that bar. And let's name that bar the offense. The offense. 
That is, the moment somebody had not invited you, not welcomed you, that's the person when the the time when that person betrayed you, hurt you, violated you, said something that just hurt you to the core, or they could have not done something or said something just when you most needed it. You had an expectation. Oh, surely this person is going to come through, and the person didn't. You feel offended. There's the offense planted right in there in your soul. The second bar, if you would, and let me give you a scripture for this, the offense. Uh, Psalm 27.10, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Did you hear Jessica's testimony? She said, I wouldn't have expected my father to leave us as a family for someone else. He abandoned me. I wouldn't expect my mom to get arrested and put in jail. She abandoned me. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Aren't you glad that even if those closest to you have hurt you, the Lord loves you, the Lord receives you, and the Lord wants to bring healing to your wounded heart? Okay? The second bar, would you draw that and label it the hurt? So first of all, you're offended, but then second of all, it's a deep wound to your soul. It's a hurt that goes planted deep in your being. You know how an oyster is formed? An oyster is formed when a little grain of sand gets in there and... uh, I said, do you know how a pearl is formed in an oyster? Okay, a little sand got into the oyster, and the oyster secretes stuff around that sand grain to protect it from scratching its soft insides. And eventually, over time, it forms a pearl. That's how a pearl is formed. It's an irritant that's been covered up. And unfortunately for us, we get hurt, then we secrete protective juices of defensiveness, and we either avoid people or we attack people. We blame people for how they have hurt us, and as we secrete that, we form a hard shell that we think is protecting us, but it's stunting our growth and it's hurting us. And so a verse for that is one I'll make up. It's supposed to be Proverbs 18, uh, verse 19, which says that a man is like a fortress. The wounds of a man is like a fortress. Now, what does that mean? It means, have you ever seen uh, a castle with a large moat and a drawbridge? When you're hurt... You retract into your castle, you pull up your drawbridge, and you put the sharks in the moot. You know what I mean? That you are like a fortified castle that's impenetrable. The only way to avoid being hurt is to avoid loving. And in order to avoid loving, you have to seal your heart in an airtight casket. 
And that's what happens when you've got that hurt. Let me just give you two quick quotes that are phenomenal. Unforgiveness chains us to the past, poisons the present, and keeps us from what the Lord has for the future. Isn't that powerful? Let me say that again. For unforgiveness chains us to the past, poisons the present, and keeps us from what the Lord has for the future. That's what the, that hurt is doing to you. Now, it's, not a, it's important to get, for you to get in touch with that hurt, but you need to know that hurt has caused you to become stuck, stuck in the prison of unforgiveness. Here's another one. This is from Charles Stanley. Unforgiveness is emotional bondage that consumes minds with memories of offenses, distorts emotions with revenge, and fills hearts with churning unrest. Wow. Charles Stanley really nailed that. Unforgiveness is emotional bondage that consumes minds with memories of offenses, distorts emotions with revenge, and fills hearts with churning unrest. The third bar is the results or the ramifications. The word was ramifications, but it was too long to fit in there, so I put the results. So you've been offended. You have the hurt deep in your soul, and you're secreting the juices to try to cope with that hurt. And the ramifications are that whatever is inside of you is going to come out of you. No matter how much you try to suppress it, it's going to come out. It's like taking 15 ping pong balls, putting them in a sink of water, and trying to hold all 15 ping pong balls underwater at the same time. Guess what's going to happen? A ping pong ball is going to pop up, isn't it? No matter how much you try to suppress the hurt, it's going to manifest in some way. Now, here's a very unhealthy way that it would manifest. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers." Friends, these are actions that we wittingly or unwittingly engage in, and the reason we do so is because we've been hurt. So because we've been hurt, we engage in unhealthy relational practices, and our relationships explode or implode. We avoid people or we attack people. We try to undermine people, and we try to get revenge in subtle and not-so-subtle ways, the ramifications are right there in, in our scripture um, where it says, Hebrews twelve fifteen. it says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. We should reach up for the grace of God because that's the means by which we can forgive, that we have experienced the grace of God and his forgiveness. That's the means by which we could pass on that forgiveness to others. But if we miss the grace of God and we let a root of bitterness take hold in our hearts, the Bible says it poisons us. It's like corrosive acid that's all over us and it's just burning us. And not only does it burn us, but it burns those around us. When you have a sour 
attitude. When you're miserable, nobody around you is allowed to be happy because the miserable love company. And, and so this, the, these two kids, these rascals, decided they were going to do a practical joke on Grandpa. So Grandpa was taking a nap, and they took the most stinkiest cheese they could find. And they heated it up in the microwave, and they just rubbed it on his mustache while he was sleeping. Suddenly, he wakes up. Ooh, what's that stink? And, and he runs outside to get some fresh air. And he smells the stink. And he says, the whole world stinks. Boy, those kids were laughing until they got in trouble. The point is, when you've been hurt, the whole world stinks to you. Your whole perspective has been jaundiced. And unfortunately, parents and grandparents are grousing and complaining in front of their kids and their grandkids. And guess what the kids and the grandkids are thinking? You know, a little boy said, Daddy, how come when you drive, all the jerks come out? Okay, that's because daddy, when he drives, he's always calling that person a jerk and that person a jerk while he's driving. And the little kid is noticing that. I knew a guy in one of my first churches who said with pride, my father split a church and I speak the truth and will split a church if I need to as well. Do you see what's happening it poisons you, and it poisons those around you. There's ramifications, there's ripples if you don't deal with the prison of unforgiveness. We come to my sinful reactions. So not only do we have ramifications of the spread of that unhappiness, but again, we can be very blatant in the actions we have. By the way, if you are unfairly treated by somebody else, even if you are completely 100% innocent, do you have the right to get back at that person? The answer is no. The answer is no. Two wrongs don't make a right. Just because you've been offended doesn't give you the right to go and offend that person back or pass that offense on to other people. But yet that's what happens. And here we have our uh, Romans 12, 17 and 19, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Here's how I like to put this. That in order to release that person, in forgiveness and get out of the prison of unforgiveness, you have to take that person off of your hook of accountability and put that person on to God's hook of accountability. Who says revenge is mine? The Lord. Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. Who's the only righteous judge? The Lord is. Is it your job or mine to be judge, jury, and executioner? No. Whose job is that? God's. 
So you take them off of your hook of accountability and you put them onto God's hook of accountability. I love the book of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, he's trying to build a wall. And while he's trying to build a wall, Sam Ballad and Tobiah are just totally giving him a hard time and they're doing everything they can to sabotage him and throw him under the bus. You know what I'm saying? Now, if anyone had the right to be offended and to want to attack back, it would be Nehemiah. But you know, Nehemiah prayed the most simple and most beautiful prayer ever. It was this. Lord, remember Sanballat. Lord, remember Tobiah. Do you hear what he's doing? He's taking, off, taking them off of his hook, uh, his hook of accountability, and he's putting them on God's hook of accountability. Lord, you see what they've done. Don't forget it. Hold them accountable. Judge them. It's not my job to judge. I'm putting them over there to you. And yet, what do we do? Now, notice the scripture memory verses. Uh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, usually I have a different scripture memory verse for every week. I would be thrilled if one of you would come up to me at the end of this month and say, Pastor, thank you for having the same scripture memory verses every week for an entire month because I was able to really memorize it this time. If you memorize Hebrews, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, I will be thrilled because it says it all. In verse 31, you've got the negative that says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And then you have the positive in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. There you have it, breaking the cycle of rejection. Don't be about this, which is not Christ-like and not glorifying God, but be like this, which is Christ-like and glorifying God. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. So now we come to the fact that you have the keys. You have the golden keys to get out of the prison of your own making. Yes, you may say, but they did this to me. They did this to me. It's their fault. My friends, you and I have to take responsibility for the state of our being. If we don't deal with these offenses, no one's going to deal with them for us. If we don't remove these offenses, we're going to continue to live behind a fence, we're going to continue to be offended, and we're going to be in a prison of our own making. How do you break out? Well, here's four keys. Key number one, and it's on the back of your message outline, is this. Forgive the offense. The first thing you need to do is forgive the offense. Now watch this. I'm grabbing this tongue depressor. And I'm pulling it out, and this is the act of forgiveness. To forgive is to release that person from responsibility. It's to take the IOUs out of your pocket and to tear them up. Every time somebody hurts you, you write, you owe me an apology. You owe me crawling on your hands and knees, groveling and begging for my forgiveness. You owe me a pound of flesh. Man, you've got a lot of IOUs in your pocket. Or you owe me's. And so you pull them out and you rip them up. You just say, paid in full, I cancel the debt against you. I release you from this. As an act of the will in your heart, you forgive them out of the grace that you have received, and you pull that offense out. Now, let me speak about this, because this is very, very important. 
what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not trying to forget, because you'll never forget. Unless you have a lobotomy, you're still going to remember the hurt and pain somebody did to you. But in the Bible, Philippians 3, it says, do not let, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to the, to the forward. Forgetting what lies behind means not letting the past influence the present. In other words, taking the stinger out rather than constantly playing with the stinger and pressing the stinger in and saying, wow, that hurts, that hurts, that hurts, that hurts. The word resentment is from the Latin word resento, and it means to refeel. So when you're resenting someone, you're refeeling, you're replaying in slow motion when they're jumping up with the knife and they're stabbing you in the back and they're twisting the knife. I mean, it's as if you could relive that thing as if it happened yesterday. So when you have resentment, you're refeeling, you're replaying the tape. And to forgive is to release, to cancel, to forget about. That is not let the past influence the present, even though you'll remember it happened. It won't be with the feeling part of the stabbing. Forgiveness is not just letting time pass. Pass. You know, you've heard the expression, time heals all wounds. Wrong. Better yet is time seals all wounds. You don't get better just by saying, ah, you know, time will let this thing, thing go by. It will fester. It'll get infected. It's like gangrene that takes a toe, then another toe, then it's up the foot, then it comes up the leg. If you don't deal with this unforgiveness, this bitterness and resentment, it's going to eat you alive, your whole being. So don't just say, ah, I'll let time take care of it. Also, forgiveness is not disregarding the offense. You are acknowledging that you were hurt. Now, let me just be very gentle with you. You could take people who have been offended and they... They fall into two categories. One category is those who have actually been mistreated. And the second category is those who believe that they've been mistreated. You know what I'm talking about? So some of you have been horribly treated, terribly wounded, unfairly dealt with, and you've got legit stuff that you need to forgive. Others of you believed you were offended, but maybe you misinterpreted what somebody said or did or not said, not did, did not do. Whatever it is, you still have to, as an act of the will, say, I forgive, I release, I tear up the IOUs. And forgiveness is not minimizing the offense, it's acknowledging what it is. And, and by the way, if you forgive... Are you enabling this person to do it again? Let me just answer that real fast. Forgiveness is not enabling a person. If you recognize the consequence, if you require accountability, and if you expect a rebuilding of a track record of trust. It's not 
I'm sorry I did that. Will you forgive me? Yes, sure I do. Let's reconcile. I think it was uh, the guy who wrote the five love languages, uh, Gary Chapman, who wrote uh, something about how to apologize properly. And there are five parts to an apology. You don't just say, I'm sorry already. Forgive me. What do you want from me? I'm sorry. I've heard that many times from my own lips. And my wife, bless her heart, didn't read Gary's book, but she walks me through the five steps. And she says, well, first of all, do you know what you did wrong? Oh, I hate that. But I, you know, the reason I'm married is because I know Jesus and Jesus helps me to humble myself. And I say, yes, I used the wrong tone of voice. What else? I was disrespectful. What else? You know, we keep going on. And once I've bled it all out, then, um, and do you realize the effect that had on me? Yes. I hurt you and you made you feel bad. And, and I, I didn't show appreciation. And I mean, man, I've got a, let's put it this way. Let's say you've got a really expensive car out there. Now, I know somebody has this, this big, like, boat that's like a, an Envy or something. It's just like a big, huge, and that's super expensive. So let's say one of you smashes into that car just as uh, that person's coming out. But you say, hey, I prayed over it, and everything's okay, and uh, you walk away. You didn't acknowledge the damage that was done. I mean, you dented in the fender of a $100,000 car, armored vehicle, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. The point is, you got to acknowledge the damage, okay? So it's not an easy thing for a person who was abused as a child, took away my sexual innocence, ruined my concept of intimacy, froze my emotions, But you know, Lord, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to pull that offense and forgive it. There was a woman. She was raped. She was shot. Her arms were cut off. And she lived. Somehow she lived. And she said, I have forgiven the man who did this to me. He already took this much of my life. I'm not going to give him any more of my life. You see, if you don't forgive, you are chained to the person who hurt you, who offended you, who wounded you. And it's like you're carrying a dead body with you that's stinking and decomposing in front of you and ruining your whole life. Forgive, release, pull up that offense and say... Enough is enough. I'm getting out of this prison. I'm going to live by grace and forgiveness rather than by bitterness and resentment. Moving on, forgive the hurt. You've got to acknowledge the hurt and forgive it. And um, I think we have a verse here. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The most phenomenal picture of forgiveness is when Jesus is being nailed to the cross and he is saying, and this is in the original language, forgive them, forgive them, forgive. He's saying it over and over. He didn't just say one time, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was saying it over and over again. I mean, the Son of Man could have had angels come down and wipe out those soldiers in all of Rome. 
Uh, he could have, you know, these people could be thrown into the deepest, darkest part of hell with the most torturous experience. And Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. That's so important. By the way, going back to uh, the scripture for forgive the offense, Matthew 18, 21 to 22, Jesus was asked by Peter, how many times should we forgive? He said, seven times 70. Did he mean that you at the 491st time stop forgiving? No, it's a picture of you must, in an unlimited manner, continue to forgive. When you forgive from your heart, you keep your heart fresh and responsive and you experience fully the forgiveness of God. If you withhold forgiveness, you don't feel forgiven by God and you feel there's a distance between you and God. You can't connect with God. You can't hear God's voice. And you say, what's the problem here? Jesus said, if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, it will feel as if your Father hasn't forgiven you. You've got to forgive to know what forgiveness is. That's why it's important to keep the heart fresh. Forgive. Keep your accounts short. When I prayed through the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, I think, who has hurt me today? And I'll just forgive that person as an act of the will that day. And if that person shows up the next day, I'll do it again. But I'm going to keep this heart fresh. All right? Third, forgive the results. Forgive the ramifications, as we call it. And here's the verse. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so reconcile that God knows everything and everything goes through God's hand before it comes to you and say, okay, God, I'm finally going to say, I'm going to let you be God. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.